Hey there, friend. Welcome to the episode today, episode 196. Do you want a miracle? You're going to have to stretch for it. I have a super busy week this week, but this content, because it's the uh, intelligence of Jesus about the miraculous from the Gospels of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, is super, and I want you to catch it. I want to remind myself about it. Do you want a miracle? You're going to have to stretch for it. Episode 196. I don't even have time to edit this episode, so there's no music. It's not going to be highly polished in terms of editing, but it's the content that I want to bring to you, okay? I encourage you to go to episode 195, Leverage Your Trials to Advance, episode 195 with special guest Frank Viola. Now, do you want a miracle? Do miracles just happen randomly? Do they only happen to lucky people or special people? Is there some mysterious thing about the miraculous that only a few people understand? Or maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe you're totally sort of in a closed system and you don't even believe in in the miraculous for today, even as a Christian. Well, this is going to be a challenge and I hope an inspiration and encouragement Do you want a miracle? You're going to have to stretch for it. You know, I recently heard that the old timers, they called it stretching out. This is back in the day when people knew how to pray. Okay, people know how to pray today, but you know what I mean? This is old school, persevering prayer. They called it stretching out, and they probably found themselves on a floor somewhere or on the ground, stretching out before God and reaching and questing for his promises, stretching out in faith. Do you want a miracle? You're going to have to stretch for it. And we're going to talk about the man in the Gospels who had the withered hand, and Jesus told him to stretch it out even before he healed him. It's really um, an encouragement. Now, there's a way that things work. Okay, this is true in the natural and the supernatural. Let me give you an example. If I want my vehicle to function at peak performance consistently, then what? I'm going to value personal experience here, the good and the bad talking here, but I will value the owner's manual. I will value the service schedule. You see, it's about me harmonizing with the vehicle's design. What about physical well-being? There's a way that things work. If I want to experience the best in my body, I will then get quality information, right? I'll be sure to give my body the right fuel, smart exercise, optimal rest, stress reduction, nutrients. I won't eat certain things. There's a way that things work for optimal physical well-being. It's the same in relationships, personal finance, our career, business. With everything, there's a way that things work. Now, as in the natural, so in the supernatural. If I want to be Jesus smart, I will diligently explore the Gospels <clears throat> Excuse me, in the New Testament And I will realize that there's a way that things work when I want to experience something extraordinary. We could call it the modus 
operandi of Jesus or the modus operandi of God. Now, at the end of this episode, I have a prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer. There's an affirmation. This will be brief, but an affirmation and then a activation at the end of this episode. Now, often when we want to experience something extraordinary, we are called to take an action step in faith. Often this is the case. And we can see this in the Gospels. There was a man with a withered hand. Excuse me while I get a drink. Uh, <clears throat> it's at the top of the day here and I get a little... Um, uh, I need to hydrate my throat, okay? There was a man with this withered hand in a Jewish synagogue. You can check this out in Mark chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. And when Jesus entered the synagogue, he noticed this man, and he said to him, get up and come forward. Now, this must have created a lot of intrigue in this man, as well as everyone who knew this man and his condition. And then Jesus said something extraordinary. He said, stretch out your hand. Now, here's my point. You would think his hand would first need to be restored, to be healed, right? And then he could stretch it out. But Jesus challenged the man to stretch out his withered hand in faith. And as he did, as he desired it, as he willed it, as he partnered with Jesus, the restoration manifested concurrently with his stretching out of his hand. Do you see the partnership? Jesus would not let him be passive. You see, do you want a miracle, my friend? You're going to have to stretch for it. I'm going to have to stretch for it. We're going to have to be like those old timers in faith who stretched out. They called it stretching out before God. You see, Jesus asked this man to engage the restoration process with faith-generated action. He asked him to do something he'd never done before, something he didn't think he could do. Now, even as we contend, let me give you a little caveat here or a little qualifying point. Even as we contend in faith and obedience for miracles, let's remember that God is most concerned about the development of our character. I believe that Christ's likeness is first about our character. That is the nature of Jesus within us, progressively being renewed in that nature of Christ. And then secondly, Christ's likeness is living out the capacities of Jesus in our world, such as miracles, healings, deliverance, and raising the dead. But Apart from that caveat, in addition to it, we can see here in this instance, there's a way that things work. In this instance, there's a pattern of Jesus asking this man, stand up, come to me, come forward, approach me, stretch out your hand. And as he stretched it out, there was a concurrent manifestation of healing restoration you see, my friend, it's always been about a partnership. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. It's always been a partnership between heaven and earth, between God and man. Listen, this is, if we can get this down, this 
downstream from this are so many good things and it will solve so many issues in our lives, I believe. Here it is. God is sovereign over all things, right? He's a great king. He is sovereign over everything. Yet man and woman are designed to activate dominion under God's sovereignty. In many instances, sovereignty flows. And in fact, I would say through in most instances, sovereignty flows through the dominion that we walk in, that we activate. There's probably instances in the scriptures there are where God says, I could not find an intercessor. I could not find a man. So I just rolled up my own sleeves and did it myself. I can think of one instance in the book of Isaiah where God says that. But overwhelmingly, it's partnership. God speaks to somebody. God leads somebody. God asks somebody to take a step of faith. Overall, it's this partnership where God's sovereignty is expressed through activated dominion in man and woman. I have a, if you go to jesusmart.com and search for a article called, it will cost you if you lose your fierceness, you will see this where a Hebrew expert goes into uh, early Genesis and shows that the Hebrew meaning there to exercise dominion is to exercise a ferocity in the Hebrew language, to exercise a fierceness. And if we don't, it will cost us You see, we can't be passive. We must be active. We must even be proactive. See, Jesus embodies truth and reality, right? Jesus Christ totally and perfectly embodies truth and reality. He is orthodoxy. (laughs) Orthodoxy means correct belief or right belief. Ortho, correct or right, and doxy, belief. He is orthodoxy. He is also orthopraxy, which means right practice, right practice. You see, again, there's a way that things work. And as we carefully read the New Testament Gospels, let's be observant. Let's see the patterns. Let's look for Jesus' modus operandi. Let's look for the method of Jesus. There is a way that things work. And then let's resolve this. We will responsibly harmonize with Jesus. Authentically following Jesus takes passion, it takes initiative, and it is risk-taking. Let's look at another instance in the Gospels, tearing the roof off. There were these four friends who brought their friend. They carried him on a pallet. He was paralyzed, and they tore through a roof of a crowded house and lowered their paralytic friend right in front of Jesus. The house was so filled with people. There were so many people outside the house that they could not access Jesus in the house. So they got up on the roof with their paralyzed friend, ripped apart the roof, and lowered him. Look at this faith. You can read about this in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Do you see the violence of their faith? They tore the roof off. Do you see their passionate pursuit? Do you see the truth that we can even partner with Jesus on behalf of others? But fundamentally, do you see the the, the ferocity, the passion, the innovation, the risk-taking, the sense of vulnerability 
of coming before the Lord, whatever it takes. And Jesus says to this man, I say to you, rise, take up your pallet and go home. Jesus didn't first heal the man and say, get up. Somehow there was a simultaneous faith movement in this paralyzed man and the corresponding activity of Jesus. It's a dance of faith. It's like a dance between the world of Jesus and our world of challenge and even opportunity. And as he desired it, as he willed it, as he obeyed and moved in faith, the restoration manifested. This is partnership. So we have to stretch out. We have to get up. We may have to tear the roof off as we partner with the Lord in the miraculous. Let's look at another instance in the Gospels. Pressing through a crowd. You see, some of the stuff that you need, some of the stuff that you want, some of the stuff that the Lord is asking you to believe for, you are going to have to press through the majority of people to access Jesus. You are not going to be able to go with the popular flow, even in the church. Here's this this woman. She's languishing with internal bleeding for 12 years. You can read about this in Mark chapter 5, verses 25 to 34. It says that she spent everything on doctors, but only became worse, not even some improvement. So she's economically impoverished. You can imagine the fatigue of languishing with internal bleeding for 12 years. And yet she is still saying to herself, if I just touch his garment, I'll become well. This is what she was saying to herself. And she presses her way through the crowd, probably as she approaches Jesus on the ground, because it says she touched the hem of his garment and she connected with Jesus and Jesus didn't even see her coming. He didn't even call her out for healing like the man with the withered hand. He sensed, it was probably behind him, he sensed healing power flowing out of his person and he says, who touched my garment? Now, do you see the dance of faith between this woman and Jesus? Do you see her pursuit, her quest, her initiative, her desperation even, her sense of vulnerability? In that culture at that time, this condition in a woman, you were not to be around people. Uh, you you, you, You needed to stay by yourself as you were dealing with menstruation, let's say, on a monthly basis. But she stretched and she reached for her miracle and Jesus responded. He couldn't even help it. You see, do you see that he didn't even know she was coming? Do you see that she pulled out of him what she passionately wanted without his cognition and without him saying, you know, stretch out your hand or take up your palate and go home. And yet he sensed the power leave her. Or, or, or leave him. And she was healed. She was restored. Let's look at another instance. And let me ask this question to you. What is your wish? What do you want? In John chapter 5, <clears throat> Jesus sees this man at the pool of Bethesda. Excuse me, please. This is raw <clears throat> and granular today. 
In John chapter 5, Jesus sees a man at the pool of Bethesda who was ill for 38, not weeks, not months, but years, nearly four decades. And around this pool in Bethesda, there were all kinds of people that were sick and blind and lame and withered. And Jesus comes up to this man and he says, do you want to get well? Now, this seems like an unnecessary question, but it's really not. Now, let me ask this question. Is there something paralyzed in your life? Jesus didn't ask him, do you need to be healed? He asked him, do you want it? He knew that a long-term struggle can wear people down. It can wear down our will. It can unleash a hopelessness upon us. And yet, what is Jesus looking for? He's looking for desire. He's looking for an articulation of faith. He's looking, at a, he's looking for the quest of faith. Then Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. <laughs> and he did just that. Again, it's similar to the withered hand. Jesus makes a demand on this individual. He makes a demand upon their will, and the paralyzed man responded. You would think that Jesus would kneel down and somehow minister to him and uh, infuse healing virtue into his body, and then he could get up and pick up his pallet and walk. But he says to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk, just like stretch out your hand. And as he did so, he was healed. Again, we see this simultaneous faith movement and obedience with the corresponding activity of Jesus. It's this dance of the extraordinary. Now, let's talk about something. We can call this a Jesus smart key, maybe. There are some instances where Jesus performed an extraordinary miracle without asking for any kind of an action step of obedience like the healing of the deaf and the mute man in Mark 8. But in that case, maybe it was because he was deaf and could not hear. He was mute. He could not speak. I don't know. But in many cases, I think we can say in most cases, Jesus expected a corresponding activity of faith. And what I'm suggesting is that our default approach should be to listen to what Jesus may say as we desire the extraordinary. Let me say that again. Listen to what Jesus may say to you as you desire the extraordinary. Take that action step of obedience and move with him on this dance floor of the extraordinary. Maybe it's taking a step to relocate. Maybe it's taking a step to um, uh, come into a new living space. Maybe it's a new vehicle. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's a pivot in your business, a pivot in your career. You know, sometimes faith comes to us as sort of a maybe. It's like, it's not that the archangel Gabriel has come to you, <laughs> this hardly ever happens, and says to you with certitude, like, like Mary in the birth of Jesus, you know, this is what's going to happen. Do you want this? Will you believe this? And she says, may it be to me according to your word. My goodness, even in her case, it appears there needed to be a corresponding 
reception and partnership of faith in the conception of Jesus, seems to me. But there are some instances, but I, I, I think they are the minority of instances where Jesus does not ask for this action step of obedience and faith and a, a mutual, simultaneous, corresponding manifestation, right, of the supernatural. We have to be both supernatural and super practical. I would encourage you to lean into the promise, to move towards it, even if you feel like I have 60% faith for this and 40%, I'm not sure. Move toward truth. Move toward promise. Move toward even passion and desire, sanctified passion and desire, and see what the Lord may do. I believe many times as we do that, we will have more certitude, more clarity, more knowledge, more awareness, and we will see this simultaneous interaction of the supernatural Jesus working along with our super practical faith and our faith response of obedience. You know, you have a Bible, right? Either on your phone or your device or an actual analog Bible. And you probably know that there are some editions of the New Testament where the words of Jesus in the Gospels are in red, and then the rest is in typical black, right? I want to encourage you to immerse yourself in the red and the black, right? I want you to read and reread the teaching and the activity of Jesus in the Gospels. What did Jesus say? That's the red. How did he operate? What, what, what was his modus operandi? That's the black. What did he call people to do as they met him in the zone of the extraordinary? You see, the gift of the Gospels in the New Testament is not just that we can read what Jesus once did. It's that we see perfect theology and practices in Jesus. He perfectly communicates the heart of the Father to us. Check, you know, check that out in Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 3, and also John 1.18. You know, John 1.18, it says that no one has seen the Father, but Jesus has perfectly exegeted or explained the Father to us. Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 3, speaks of Jesus as being the, the radiance, the perfect outraying of God the Father. And then, of course, Hebrews 13, 8, has Jesus changed? Has something changed since Jesus? Jesus actually said, I go to the Father, the ascension, I will pour out the Holy Spirit, and you will do greater works than I have done. And Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today, and forever. So let's bring it into our world. I'm with you. Let's bring it into our world through prayer, through affirmation, and what we could call an activation. Okay? Now, are you facing a big challenge? Or maybe you have before you, and you're wrestling with it, maybe it's a really grand opportunity and you feel like you have 60% faith for it, and 40%, I'm not sure. You're like that man who came to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That's okay. At least you got a mix, right? And many times, 
as we operate from the mix and as we lean into it and press forward, the ratio changes. Maybe you go to 70% faith, 30%, I'm not sure, 80-20, you know. Maybe Jesus just takes the little bit that you have and works with that. You know, Jesus did say that the kingdom is like a little tiny mustard seed. Just use. It's so, the kingdom of God is so, I heard a teacher say this past week on a podcast as I was walking, uh, somebody I'm drawing from these days, that the kingdom of God is so potent that even a small mustard seed uh, potential uh, of it is enough. It's more than enough to plant, to grow a big tree where the birds of the air can come and rest in its branches. So challenges, opportunities, conundrums, questions, puzzlement. Say, man, we live in a broken, fallen world. It's messy out there. There are things that are difficult to figure out. There are mazes that it seems we have to go through. But, you know, Faith is the clearest way to walk, and following the Holy Spirit is the acumen of heaven. And the promise is that the world of Jesus can come right into your world. Repent, he says. Change your mind. Follow me, for the kingdom of God is drawn near to you. Let's you know, learn the modus operandi of Jesus from the Garden of Eden onward into the time of Jesus on the earth and right into our experience right now. Let's understand, hey, we, we are on a spectrum. We are on a continuum that will eventually lead to the restoration of all things that Jesus spoke of. What a horizon. What a worldview. What a framework. What a paradigm. What a lens th- through which to think and to see and to interpret and to live Jesus said that if your eye, your internal eye is clear and healthy, your whole body will be full of light. What light? The fullness of the light that he's bringing. Proverbs says that the path of the righteous is like the shining of the dawn that shines brighter and brighter unto the full day. We are already living now, or we have the offer on the table to live now in the light of the of that day, the day of God, which is coming in its fullness. Before we pray, I would mention this. There's an article on JesusSmart.com. You can invite the potential of Christ into anything. Check it out. But let's pray. I'm going to pray this for myself and you. Very short. Let's do a short affirmation and let me speak to you about a few bullet points quickly about activation. So, Heavenly Father, we praise you for perfectly revealing yourself in your Son, Jesus Christ. And Holy Spirit, would you illuminate our understanding? Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to us more and more through the Word. Father, we ask you for a working knowledge of your kingdom. We understand, Father, that there's a way that things work. And we ask for a working, functional knowledge of your kingdom. And we thank you, Father. We praise you that we can partner with you, Father, in the extraordinary. We can be both supernatural and super practical. Thank you, Father, that you've chosen us to partner with us in this way. And Father, we say amen. May it be. 
let it be. Thank you, Father. And now here's an affirmation. I receive an increasing revelation of Jesus Christ and the Father in Christ. My quest is Christ and the kingdom of Christ. And I live more and more and I move in the sayings and activities of Jesus. Let me say that again. I live and move in the sayings, that's the red, and the activities, that's the black, of Jesus in the Gospels. And I partner with Christ in the extraordinary. As you immerse yourself in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these four Gospels, which means good news of the kingdom during the life and ministry of Jesus when he was on the earth, Don't read it just as history as to what happened. Read it as DNA of what wants to continue to happen from heaven's perspective. Jesus said, greater works than these will you do. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to believe that even as we approach the second coming of Christ, that we will see, for those who believe in intensification of these things, leading right into the fullness of the kingdom. So praying prayers, saying affirmations and faith are important. And now let me just land this plane today with just several quick bullet points of activation. Read and reread the New Testament Gospels. Read the Word of God until you hear the living voice of God speaking to you through the written Word of God. Don't just read it as text of what once was. Read it as what it is, a living supernatural collection of literature through which the Holy Spirit brings illumination and through which the living present word of Jesus to you speaks. Read and reread the New Testament Gospels. Capture insights from the sayings and activities of Christ in a journal. Keep reviewing them. My friend, we're going to have to rescript ourselves. Less Netflix, more Gospels. Less scrolling on our device and more scrolling in the Spirit, if we could say that. You will get what your major inputs are. Okay, that's bullet point number one. Number two, create a prayer list of several challenges. What are your leading challenges and opportunities? Invest some time in listening prayer. And make note of any action steps you feel Jesus is asking you to take. All right? So create this prayer list, invest some time in listening prayer, and note action steps. I would, here's a third bullet point. I would encourage you, something I want to really game up on more is setting aside 15-minute blocks of prayer time for these major challenges and opportunities that you have. So in other words, you're having, let's say you have three major challenges and opportunities that are prioritized in your life in this season. What's stopping you from setting apart three 15 minute blocks of prayer time, even on a weekly basis where you focus on each one of those, you know, you're not praying for others needs or other needs that you have 
You're not mindlessly praying, but you're, it's really, it's all about that one thing, that one challenge or opportunity. And cycle through your concerns in prayer on a weekly basis until you begin to see some change. You're like that woman pressing through the crowd. I will not be denied. As you cycle through, the Lord may adjust your desires somewhat. He may enhance them. He may speak to some character transformational issue in your life. That's fine. That's what we want. That's what prayer is about. My friend, listen to this. Something I wrote in my journal this past week. God is a person and you are a person. And God brings promises to you. And we are a person that we are transformed through the process. Our character is transformed. Even what we're believing for may be elevated or slightly adjusted or enhanced. Or it could be something, we have to say, that may be not right. But if that's the case, there's something better that will be brought to you that is right. All things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So setting aside these 15-minute blocks of prayer time for each challenge and opportunity and just keep cycling through them, begin to thank the Father, begin to pray over the horizon, speak over the horizon, think over the horizon, visualize in faith over the horizon. And now this last point, it's left, right, left, right advance in faith. It's taking these action steps as we continue to pray and believe. Never give up, Jesus said in Matthew 7. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. That's actually what it means in the Greek tense. Not just ask and you will receive. Keep asking and you will receive. Not just seeking once. Keep seeking and you will find. You will find it. You will locate it. Not just knocking once, keep knocking, keep knocking until the door is opened. What doors are still closed because you haven't knocked enough? What things are not found yet by you because you haven't sought enough? What things have you not yet received because you haven't asked enough? You haven't gone through the transformation of prayer, character, and perseverance, and allowing the Lord to fine-tune your prayers and we haven't asked enough. And so what things are we leaving on the table? Let me put it this way. What things want to be manifested? What things want to happen? What things want to be found by you and others with you as you run in community of faith? What things are are waiting to be accessed by you as you keep knocking? All right. Do you want it? Do you want the miraculous or are you just going to attend church and be a practical atheist? I know that sounds kind of hard. Are you just going to ride a pew, perform some sense of religious duty, polish up your insurance policy, and you're really not quite following Jesus and becoming a highly functional follower of Christ? It's important to run with others. It's important to locate, to ask the Lord for it. One of the great prayers I think the Lord loves to answer is, Lord, give me several kingdom friends that I can run with. I've seen that prayer answered so much. I hear testimonies of that prayer. That's an easy prayer. 
because Jesus is very concerned about that. Pray the prayers that Jesus most wants to answer in life. All right, do you want a miracle? Stretch for it. Don't say it's not for today. Don't get caught up in some false doctrine or belief system that just cops out and says it not, it's, it's, it's not for today when that's not even exegetically true scripturally, nor is, it, nor is it true based on the testimonies of those who have persevered and reached out in faith and received. All right, I appreciate you. This is episode 196. Do you want the miraculous? Reach out and stretch for it. Future belongs to Jesus. In the meantime, Jesus knows how this life works best right now. Don't quit. You're going to win.